Hello, and welcome back to Why Will No One Date These Guys with Naomi Guy and Joel Guy. Naomi has been indulging in the devil's lettuce, also known as salad, today. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Did you get the power greens, some with like kale and spinach and for some reason carrots? I love a good salad. A kale salad? Impeccable. Love that. Okay, I guess. Okay, we're obviously... Look, having a salad and go a mile from our house has really made me appreciate salad more. No, because what I really, like, appreciate is salad with, like, either feta or, like, goat cheese or, like... I just can't get on the salad and go trend because I've known so many people that have gotten food poisoning from salad and go recently. Uh, I mean, I can't speak to that. Um, If they're allergic to greens, that's a real problem. No, it's like, you know, they had, like, they have protein on the menu... Yes. And I think it's from like either undercooked protein or E. coli in the lettuce. Oh, you're saying the reason you can get your salad like 30 seconds after you order is because they don't bother cooking the protein. Well, I think... They're like, oh shit, we got some raw chicken. We got a chicken bowl. Throw it in. Throw it in. No, no, no. I think it's like they're trying to do sushi with meat. Ah, the fine art of... No, that's not what I was saying. Red meat, sashimi. (laughs) There's been E. coli breakouts too with lettuce recently. So I think that's it. Anyways. What are we drinking today? Um, Country Peach. Can you please read the description, Joel? Ah, yes. The Trader Joe's 100% Juice Country Peach Blend. Peach-flavored juice blend with peach and apple puree and five juices from concentrate with other added ingredients. All these drinks are starting to taste the same. This one's kind of a stinker. I'm not a fan. I like it. What would it be good? I I feel it's not good by itself. Would it be good with some sparkling water? I think it would be good with that. A little um, bit of mint? Yeah, maybe. I think that um, it kind of tastes like the syrup that peach juice, like yes, peaches, yes. canned peaches come in. Exactly. That, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was too polite to say that, though. Joel, you can't be too polite if we're going to be hooking people up with recommendations from Trader Joe's. Okay, well, as a recommendation, Joel does not recommend this peach concentrate Trader Joe's sells. It is um, not very flavorful. And honestly, the flavor of raw peaches i'm not a big fan i like peaches i love canned peaches i love fresh peaches yeah, I, mean, I, I can't deal with how, <laughs> uh, how how objectionable you are you've gotten so argumentative you're trying to falsify all this drama i love peach cobbler i love peach jam actually i don't i think i had too much peach jam when we were younger Naomi tries to pretend to be an Arizona native, which um, we all know she was born in Texas. Oh, my God. Says so, the non-Arizona native. <laughs> so, you know, she, she's like, oh, boy, how about that fry bread food truck down the street? Oh, man, you got There's any more of that fry cactus bread jam? Food truck down the street? I, I've, I've run out of my, uh, my, my cactus jam this week. I went through another jar. Oh, man, Arizona pistachios, best in the world. And peaches, Schneff Farm peaches, let me tell you. No, it's it's okay to like things. It just gives me more ammunition. He's against I hate you. Um, Naomi, why are people here this week? Why are they still listening to us? We've done such a bang up job of dissecting the complex world of sexual relationships. Well, here on Why Will No One Date These Guys, uh, we like to not actually talk about the subject of our podcast the vast majority of the time. Yeah, the longer we ramble, less <laughs> research we have to do. <laughs> Um, we're going to be talking about conversations today because I want to bring it, Joel wants to bring it back to basics. This was his episode idea and talk about like how people converse with each other. Cause I think that at the root of everything, um, we need to think about how we communicate with others and to effectively, um, preserve relationships and to even enter relationships in the first place. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've noticed is we're talking a lot around the issue of relationships. We've had discussions about like what relationships should the look issue like with relationships. Um, the, the, the issues there <laughs> are with like said. contemporary dating, but we haven't really talked about like, how do you actually get one? Right. That's true. It's like, a hunting magazine that's like here's a bunch of deer recipes without explaining like how to okay that's a really terrible analogy (laughs) um it'd be like a uh, jet ski magazine that's like okay and this is how you clean your jet ski after use and that's the only article there's no information about buying or maintenancing one you know joel and his jet ski collection he actually keeps them even though we are probably about 100 miles from the closest lake and or thing of water they're they're gonna suspect i'm not an arizona native 
creative. Don't oh, give that shit. away. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I I feel one thing a lot of people have problems with is meeting new people. Um. And often when you're trying to date, especially in your teens, early twenties, you're going to be interacting with people who are either in your friend group, tangentially related to your friend group, or at parties or events like your friend group is at. Or school. Yeah. And I don't think. In school, um, you're ever taught how to converse with people. I don't think that's something really you ever learn except through experience. So unless you were a super popular kid in high school. Well, you kind of are in a sense because you're taught what not to do. So like, Oh, I disagree so much. No. Were you not raised at the same? I guess you weren't raised at the same Montessori school that I was raised at. What Montessori school is like, this is the what to do at fancy dinner parties. Oh, no, no, no. What I'm talking about is what not to do in the sense of like how not to talk to people and how not to be rude. I mean, even then, you know, I, I meet all these these boorish, uneducated louts who, who who seem to think that the world revolves around them. I, they probably didn't go to Montessori. There's my problem. Joel actually is talking about the lice that he contracted a couple weeks ago that is in his hair. He likes to talk to them a lot. This is this is quite a reach. I'm not <laughs> sure I understand the joke. Yeah, I, so I generally want to discuss, you know, how to have conversations with random people and not come across as completely awkward, uninteresting, unintelligent, whatever. How do you make it clear that like you have shared interests and you're a, a reasonable, decent human being, um, which I think is the head start to potentially approaching someone for a relationship. Now, I, I want to be clear. You know, I'm, I'm, we're using the text "Art of Captivating Conversation" by Patrick King. It's a quick read. I would suggest, like always, picking up a copy yourself if you find any of this useful. But like, this is not going to be a podcast that's going to like automatically cause people to be attracted to you. I think the big lie of like any relationship coach or consultant or pickup artist is this will get you laid. This will get you a relationship. And that is like fundamentally untrue. Um, This is more of like a thing that will assist you if that's a path you want to go down. Um, what's that famous baseball quote? It's like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? It's I'm like, pretty sure that's basketball. Yes. As you know, I've always loved sports. It's in all my dating profiles. I've been a connoisseur of all the balls, all the games, all of the hoops, all the nets, all the free throws. <laughs> but yeah, like this is meant to be more of a extra enhancement to conversations you might already be having and potentially give you a better idea of how to even approach conversations in the first place. So on that note, Naomi, how do you approach people? How do you have conversations with people? In what setting? Um, well, let's talk about, I don't know, work, public, and then maybe like private events, like parties. Okay, well, I work from home. So in the before before. In the before the before. The times before the great okay, pandemic. Okay, when I was, the last job that I had was at a restaurant. So when I was meeting people, I'd just be like, hey, like... I'm new here. My name's Naomi. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, for a while, I didn't know the vast majority of people's names because I've come to learn that you can like befriend a person but never know their name. Oh, it's great. It's so strange. And then you're just like, Susanna. And they're like, what? And you're like, Patty. <laughs> well, you know, as Kierkegaard said, if you name me, you negate me. So in a way, you're showing people more respect. Anyways, it's not really what he so said. That was, it's the general idea. That was work, but like I was only working there part time, so it wasn't that big of a deal if I didn't, because I worked with all different people all the time. So it right. wasn't like I worked with the same people every single day. It would have been even more awkward if I did, though. At school, I especially in like call, like I went to the same school for the vast majority of my life, so I didn't really have an issue like with meeting new people because everyone was kind of just like everyone knew everyone. Sure. But when I got to ASU, they were like icebreakers, and I was like. Yeah, icebreakers. I hate icebreakers like more than anything. I can't think of anything more awkward to do. Well, there is one thing. Sitting at a dinner and you're sitting there and the other people at the dinner are like fighting and you don't have like anything to say because you're just sitting there and you're like hyperventilating and you wish you had a paper bag. That's a weirdly specific reference. Anyways, probably not. So icebreakers are probably the worst thing ever um, because I don't think that they like loosen people up. I know that a lot of teachers just use them as like a waste of time because they're like, what do we do on the first day of school? <laughs> if I'm at a social event, like I'm at a get together or a party and I don't know someone, I usually know them through somebody else and I'll get introduced to them through somebody else or I'll just like joke around with them and I'll be like, hi, I'm Naomi. And they're like, hi, I'm so-and-so's friend or so-and-so's significant mm-hmm. other. And then we just go from 
there. I'm really good with names though. So I remember like 99.8% of the people's names that I've ever met. Since the people you work with. Several the people. No, because they don't mention their name in the first place. That's the thing. Everyone should be legally required to either have a name tag on at all times or like a t-shirt with their name on it. This is my belief. What if when we I just like president, put our names like in the tags of our shirts and then you have to like, it's a game of like reading people's tags. You have to do it like in such a way that they don't feel it. Mm-hmm. Life is a game. Yeah. Um, when, when I was younger, maybe in my like early teens, I read a tip on the internet that was like, Hey, if you ever in like a social setting and someone's told you their name, but you've already forgotten it, here's a quick tip. Be like, Hey, what was your name again? And they'll be like, uh, it's Ginny. Duh. And they'll be all offended. Be like, no, 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 no. I meant your last name. And then you get their full name from them and they're none the wiser. And I thought that was really clever for a while. And then recently I've been like, no, no, wait. I don't think anyone's going to buy that. That's so obvious. That's <laughs> what so if you were like, and awkward. What I heard was along the same lines as that tip is like you ask someone how to spell their name. Right. But yes. if their name is like Joe, you mm-hmm. could be, you can't get around that. Like there's like two spellings of Joe. Sure. So it's kind of hard for you to be like, how do you spell your name again? They're like, J-O-E? Like. I think the smarter tip, and this only works if you really have a reason for it, is ask for their contact information and get them to enter it into your phone. So be like, hey, I want to follow up with you after this event. And this, this has to be like a, like a professional thing or like you're already like decent friends. You've really ingratiated yourself in the brief conversation you've had. And just have them enter in like their That's contact fair. information. But again, I, I don't know if that works for everybody, especially guys, if you're approaching women and being like, give me your deets. I had a guy DM me once and he was like, hey, can you answer this like questionnaire? I'm doing it for my science class. And like I knew oh, that's so hot. I knew that I was like I knew him because we had mutual friends like on Instagram. You can like see your mm-hmm. mutual friends. But I was like involved with somebody else at the time. So he just sent me a screenshot of a contact information that he wanted me to fill in. And that was his like scientific questions. Oh, that's so clever. <laughs> Guys, you're so smart. Gentlemen everywhere, you have so much to learn from the internet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much am in agreement with you. I think I'm slightly more awkward in, like, private party settings, um, you know. Yeah, you do karaoke. I've done karaoke on occasion. Um, Nami, what is your karaoke song? Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer, that's a good song. Um, I am Don't Stop Believing. Uh, that I do is like the, the song. whitest song I do like the I've song, but it's mostly because it was played to great effect in the ending scene of The Sopranos. Oh, and I'm like, oh man, this is a cultural get that everyone will understand. That song will always be tied to Glee. Oh, will it? Yeah. Oh, my lack of cultural understanding is really biting me in the butt. I used to sing Living on a Prayer during um, when people were doing like long swimming competitions. So they were doing like yeah, 20 yeah. laps and we just be like, oh, we're halfway there. Well, Naomi, I don't know if you know this, but that was used to great effect in Netflix's The Kissing Booth. So now who looks stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Um, yeah, like I, I would say karaoke is kind of like an icebreaker because everyone's kind of making a fool of themselves. Very few people are like actually good singers. But you can't just like pull a karaoke machine out on like the first day of school. You know oh no, I mean? yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to a party and there's karaoke involved, definitely do that because it, it shows you're brave, you're confident, you're willing to, you know, have fun, let your hair down with other people. Yeah. If someone does like a particularly good job, like I went out karaokeing a week and a half ago and there was like this this chunky full-bodied man who um we don't discriminate we don't body shame i'm not on this discriminated podcast. against him um i don't know the name of the song this anecdote is already falling apart you can tell i'm good at conversations it, it's the song it's like she's a brick house or something you know what i'm talking about no oh boy let's pull the curtain aside and let the listeners um do, see me do, s- do, struggle quiet makes it harder to do, 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 do. Thank you, Naomi. It's the comedy.
Commodores, Brickhouse, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, it's not a song I've heard before. I think it's kind of offensive, but this man just went at it. He attacked that song. He had, like, like such a deep, like, booming voice and, like, just owned the room for, like, three and a half, four minutes or however long that song is. And at the end, he got, like, a standing ovation in this bar where it was incredibly packed. You could, you know, barely sit down. Ever. And everyone's like, bitches. my God, this man is, is phenomenal. Um, and, and I don't think you need to be that person at karaoke, but I, I do think, you know, you can really stand yes, out. And if someone does a really good job, a really good way to make friends is go up and introduce yourself. Be like, hey, I'm Steve. Or my name's Joel, actually, but I'm Joel. <laughs> I, re- I really thought that was amazing. How did you learn to th- sing? So yeah, I think that's a good thing. I also find at parties that like I'll tend to stick behind people I know and get them to introduce me. Like I'll just like shove my way into conversations. Not like shove, shove, but like kind of appear at the edge and work my way in as as it permits and be like, yeah, hey, I'm Joel. I show up places sometimes. Um, the other thing I'll do is I'll Why sometimes like... Why is that like, always your opening line? I've literally heard you say that like a hundred times. Well, not to pull the curtain back any further. Uh, <laughs> it's because it's a line where the characters on BoJack Horseman uses. Oh my freaking mm-hmm. God. If anyone recognizes it, then that's like a real get. That's the person I'm focusing all my attention on all evening. But yeah, I think the other thing that I like to do is like give myself a purpose at the party. So I'll like make food or, you know, mix drinks or something. Or if it gets super late in the evening and I'm slightly inebriated, maybe do a lot of the dishes. Um, so anything that can distract me from the fact I am supposed to be making friends with people, but also gives me a way to like have a conversation with someone as I'm making pudding on the stove or mixing up mojitos or whatever. I can You're just looking at me with such disdain on your scene. face. I'm imagining the scene. It's three in the morning. Joel's very drunk. He's had a lot of tequila, which is his kryptonite. He's sitting over Giselle's stove, slowly mixing the chocolate pudding, which he will not eat because he's partially vegan. He's just uh, slowly you can make chocolate pudding without milk. He's just Don't slowly mixing it up, and then suddenly the sweet, sweet sound of pudding. She's a brick. <laughs> That's the sound of pudding. That is the sound of pudding. Um, and he looks over at the new girl in the corner. He says, "Hey, I'm Joel. I show up places sometimes." <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, This is why I don't hang out with my sister ever. (laughs) So, now that I've proven that I'm quite the master at having conversations with people, and definitely I'm not awkward at all, uh, let me share my notes from the book, The Art of Captivating Conversation. Did I mention it's by Patrick King? Did I mention it's a quick read and people should read this? Um, so Mr. King has written a couple books on the subject. He does a lot about like having conversations, having quick one-liners and whatnot. This is not, I think, the most scientific of material, but I would argue it is pretty good general advice. I think one of the biggest difficulties people have about conversations is not really understanding what conversations are and what they're meant for. Um, and so I like the way he breaks down into very simple terms. I don't think this applies to 100% of situations, but it applies to enough where like you can easily memorize these principles and use them the day-to-day. So, Naomi, what are the two primary purposes of conversation? I know you have my notes in front of me. Don't look too closely at them. Oh, um, I was going to say, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, to network. To network. Yeah. That's good, yeah. And the second one would be to, like, communicate feelings or, like, ideas or things of that nature. Interesting. No, I, I think those are those are good. They cover a lot of areas. Well, um, Mr. King says there are primarily two. Uh, that is entertainment or pleasure and then utility. So getting something out of it. Um, and so he argues that like when you're having a conversation with most people, either you're doing it for a specific reason, such as I'm obliged whenever I show up to a place to make small talk with my grandma or I need to have a conversation with my boss about you know the new budget for next year, or my professor has to extend a deadline for me, otherwise I'm going to fail this class, right? That's utility, or entertainment and pleasure, which is I'm going to talk to this person who I think is funny so I can you know laugh and you know hear their new cool story, or I can share my story in the hopes of making other people laugh, which you could argue is also a form of utility. It's something we do because we genuinely enjoy doing it, um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like a lot of people are horribly socially awkward, but they still constantly feel the need to search out like people to talk to, people to interact with. I think even the most introverted of person like 
still on occasion wants to spend time with other people and interact with them. And so I do think like humans are kind of naturally wired to be these social creatures who enjoy each other's company. So he argues that's part of the reason people kind of hate small talk. And I hate small talk. I, I can go on and on about how much small talk sucks. But like small talk doesn't do really either of those, right? Wait, what do you consider small talk? Okay, like- so in the book, he's like, you're sitting at your desk in the office and someone walks past and they're like, hey, how you doing? What is that? They don't actually care. They're going from one place to another and are just filling the air. Yeah. You then respond something like, uh, good, I guess. Doing okay. Another day, another dollar. Mondays, am I right? Like some like bullshit doesn't mean anything. Just again, fills the air vacuous response. If you respond, you're like, oh, actually, I kind of have a stomach ache and I'm feeling bloated. Or, oh, I'm super behind on my, you know, TPS reports and the boss is going to kill me or something. Most likely, they're not going to stop and have like a detailed conversation with you about it. They'll be like, oh, sucks, got to move on. So like they didn't actually care about that interaction. And if they do, then they feel awkward and weirded out. They're like, oh, I just wanted you to interact with me. So small talk is horrible. And I, this happens all the time in our lives. I heard the awkwardest response, which like I've used this response before and I didn't realize how awkward it was until somebody else used it. I was at a restaurant with somebody yesterday and we were picking up food and it was just for him. And so he was like ready to order. He goes, hey, how is it going? And she says, it's going like in a really low, like sad voice. And he goes, oh, ha ha. Can I get two breakfast burritos? <laughs> like, what do you say in that situation? Because, like, I've said that before. Like, when I was in high school and teachers would ask me how it's going, I'm like, it's going because, like, right. it's generic. It's, like, not specific. I'm not going to tell my teacher how freaking stressed I am about their, like, biology test or something that's going on. So I would just say that. And now I will never say that ever again. I like to go, it goes when they say that to me um, because the German for it is going well or it's going okay is escate, which literally translates as it goes. Another obscure reference no one will ever get that probably doesn't mean anything to anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I hate saying that. It makes me feel dirty. Shout out to uh, Lisa who lives in Germany. Uh, tell him how butchered that German is. Okay? Escate? That's escape. perfect. That's phonetically flawless. Uh, All the Germans who speak English are like, boy, I wish I could be Joel right Lisa, now. Lisa, if you're listening, uh, please give us feedback. Lisa, please contact European friends and tell them to listen to us. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, a BoJack Horseman episode about this uh, called Free Churro, where the main character, BoJack, is sharing an anecdote about how he was going to the funeral of his mother that day, and he stopped by Jack in the Box to get, like, a breakfast burrito or something <laughs> and the girl behind the counter was uh you know doing the normal cashier things you're like oh how's your day going he's like oh not too great i'm going to my mom's funeral later and she starts breaking down crying and he's like uh what am i supposed to do like the cashier who i'm supposed to interact with to get my food is now like <laughs> breaking down awkwardly and i'm like no no it's okay i didn't really like her or anything and she just starts sobbing more <laughs> profusely and eventually he gets a free churro out of it and he's like no one told me when your mom died you got a free churro <laughs> check in the box <laughs> But I feel that's a really good example of this where, yeah, there's just a lot of useless conversation we have. It doesn't make anybody feel any better. I think people like filling the air and making noise, and that's about it. They like the recognition of their existence, but at the end of the day, like, it doesn't benefit anybody. And if they did truly care, they would, you know, kind of structure their conversation in such a way where they make it clear, hey, I'm here for you. I want to know more about your feelings. I know you've been having a tough time with those TPS reports. I know you've been having a rough time since your mother died. Um, Yeah, I I really try not to say, how is it going to people? And I almost wonder if people think I'm standoffish because of that. Because, like, I will tell you if I care about you. I will, like, make a genuine effort to, you know, interact with you and share how you make me feel. Um, And I feel so few people do that. It's meaningful. So I know that he doesn't care about me. This is true. 100% accurate. So, yeah, people want validation. They They want to feel like they matter. They want affirmation from the conversations to be heard and acknowledged. They also want the chance to do what they think is necessary to make themselves feel good, such as telling a story, sharing a feeling, etc. And there are people in my life who love to tell stories. There are people I've interacted with in the past who, every time I talked with them, it would be the newest opportunity to share the latest and greatest in them. 
Uh, and that's a little frustrating um, because often you have things to do, you have priorities, you wanted to catch up with somebody, but they're not really catching up with you. They're doing like a one-sided thing where they just say everything that's going well in their life. And that doesn't really prove that they are validating your existence. It doesn't really prove that they care about you. They kind of use you as a vehicle to talk about how great they are and they get an audience to get that affirmation. And so I think you should definitely give people in your life a platform to share things, but make sure it's reciprocal. Make sure that like when you're having conversations with people, it's not one-sided. And this is true, especially when you're in a close personal relationship with somebody, make sure that you are roughly sharing speaking time with your partner. Now, obviously this has exceptions. I, I think, you know, there are some people who are just naturally more quiet. There are people whose jobs and lives will expose them to more like crazy anecdote worthy things than others. Um, but yeah, you know, do question whether or not, you're providing people enough feedback and giving them enough room to, you know, express themselves and affirm themselves. There is another thing that he mentions about conversations that is people are lazy. People fit the pattern of laziness. You know, this goes with the whole small talk thing where people don't want to go through the efforts of like making a full conversation and spending the time. They, you know, just want to resort to these trite statements that they've repeated a million times before in the past. So often people offload the conversation heavy lifting to other parties. And if you attempt to exert too much effort and force them to engage, they're going to spend less time conversing with you. They'll start avoiding you. They're not going to interact with you as much. Some people are naturally quiet. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, make sure that like you're not overloading people. And if needed, either you're pulling your weight or alternatively backing off as needed to give them the space they crave. Okay, so we've we've stated some generalities about conversations, conversations being for entertainment or for utility, people hating small talk, people wanting validation, and people being lazy. Let's talk about like the structure of conversations themselves. And the biggest thing about conversations is that they're predictable, Naomi. If the purpose of conversations is generally the same, that is either for entertainment or utility, that means there's a general template you can follow when responding to people. If you know going into a conversation, the conversation is going to be one thing or the other, you can think well in advance about how you're going to approach it. And that's the thing 99% of people miss about having conversations. When you're at work, most of the time your conversation is going to be about work. When you're at a party, most of the time your conversation is going to be about entertainment. Knowing that, you can prep accordingly. And this sounds really dumb, like you need to sit down and write up a big list of stuff, but you really only have to do it once. And then if you feel like super awkward, review it a couple of times before events. But all of this is easily memorized because it's anecdotes about you and your life. It's very straightforward. Since most of the questions you're asked have answers the question asker doesn't actually care about, this also makes it super easy. If they say something like, how are you? How was your weekend? What's new at work? Like You can give a really fluffy response even without prep. So this is not difficult. Conversations are like a hole in one where the entire golf course is a big hole and the golf ball is the same size as normal. You know what I'm saying? I'm really losing Naomi. She's giving me looks. Yeah. Boy. That that made no freaking sense. Okay. So how do you answer like general questions that people pose you well answer it in kind of a fuzzy way that's the first possible response give an answer that relates to the base question that they've asked you especially if it's something they don't really care about but then segues to something you actually want to talk about so if they ask you for instance how was your weekend you answer oh the weekend was fine but did i tell you about my ski trip from last month on that four-day weekend where i nearly broke my leg if you have something that you really want to share that you think makes you look cool, that you think they'll find enjoyable, if you think will you know make it more likely that you're going to be promoted because they recognize how adventurous and brave and charismatic you are, that's how you approach it. Give an answer, but then segue completely into something you actually care about. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Another option is to completely redirect, where you completely segue from the base question. They say, you know, how was your weekend? You say it was okay, but, and then talk about whatever you want. Uh, did you hear about that building they're putting up over on Central? Did you hear that I made some amazing cookies yesterday? Uh, quintuple chocolate chip, I call them. Did you hear about Pluto? That's messed up, man. <laughs> my, my deep cultural references are uh, really bothering laugh. Naomi. Boy, that's going to make this podcast really enjoyable for people. This is a <laughs> podcast for people who really enjoy the sound of my voice, which is 10 people in the world. 
all of whom black voices of their own. <laughs> so yeah, like completely segue into a conversation you want to talk about. It doesn't even have to relate as the previous example gave. Most people aren't really going to notice, especially if you know, you're providing them something interesting or compelling away from their base question. You can also brainstorm in advance and come up with five things that you can redirect to. Especially if you're going to a party and don't know how to approach people, you can come up with a list to like cultivate an image of the person you want to represent yourself as. So let's say there's you're going to a party and there's a bunch of musicians there and you are potentially interested in dating one of them. Maybe come up with like a list of potential hobbies, interests, musical related things you two have in common. Think about, you know, your background in music, some of your favorite films or music albums. Think about things that are related roughly to their hobbies and come up with, you know, just a list of general topics. Here's a couple, and this is something that Mr. King directly suggests you do, and that is create a conversation resume which is lists of things that you can reference if needed. I think one of the biggest problems with like people's memories is that it's difficult to recall stuff all the time. You can store a lot of information, but like pulling it up in like the moment is very difficult. So it's really helpful if 15 minutes before a party started, you've you know thought through some of the most interesting, most exciting aspects of your life and you know come up with a list of potential anecdotes you can share. All that I'm hearing from you is that everybody who's taking this advice is very anxious. Like I can't think of a single time when I've like sat in my car outside of a party and like thought, what am I going to talk about in this party? Well, again, I'm trying to approach this with the perspective that you're someone who is interested in dating and you're not sure how to initiate those conversations, right? You're somebody who maybe their relationship is having difficulty maintaining conversations on date night when you're out, you know, walking at the beach and you, you want the opportunity to, you know, engage in long, meaningful conversations. Yeah, I don't know if this advice is applicable to everybody, but I do think there are some helpful tips hidden throughout. I think that the, okay, go talking about that, I think that it's very, um, it's telling if you can't keep a conversation with your partner. Like, let's just say that your partner, all they want to do is talk about themselves and their family and their money and their job and their trucks and blah 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 you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. i think it's very telling if you can't keep a conversation with that person that maybe you shouldn't have them in your life i've been on many a dates where all the other person wants to talk about is themselves and i think that that's it could be yes a sign of nervousness but i have heard this with many people that they'll stay in a relationship for years and the other person will never want to talk about them they'll just want to talk about themselves so that's one that's one thing. But the other thing is, if you can't keep a conversation with the other person and you want to stay in a relationship with them, yes, it could be beneficial to take these steps um, that we're talking about, but it could also mean that you guys just don't have a good enough connection to talk about everything until you guys die together. Let's just say you guys are going to get married and you guys aren't planning on getting a divorce, which I don't think you plan on getting a divorce when you get married, now that I say that, but... <laughs> You know I just do I mean. it for the tax reasons. Yeah, you New know one every I mean. year. So I keep hearing like from couples that have been together that have, are married that they love to talk to their significant other. Like that's like their favorite person to talk to. They tell that person everything. And I think that it says a lot if you can't keep a conversation. I understand if you're in like a 12 hour road trip and you are just racking your brain of things to talk about and you cannot keep the conversation going there. But if it like, if you sit down a date night and you, all you guys are doing is just sitting there because, and you think it's awkward. Like I I think that's a little telling. I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think based on what you're saying, I can understand that this topic might seem for particularly anxious people because all we've talked about is like how to dominate the conversation and share anecdotes for yourself. And I, I promise this does get into how to be a good conversation partner and how to reciprocate in turn. Um, I think people who all they want to do on dates is talk about how cool they are, are stuffy and boring and um, probably don't care about their partner as much as they'd like to give off the impression they do. Um, I think one of the problems with our modern society, which you know we've discussed in past episodes, is that a lot of people go through the same loops every single day. You know, you go to work five days a week, eight hours. 
right? You watch, you know, Netflix for a couple hours every night on the weekend. You maybe go to the park every week or visit your parents every week on Saturday with your kids. There's a lot of identical things that are done over and over and over again. And so it's difficult to come up with new exciting topics to discuss with your partner. Unless you have like completely different media consumption habits. And I think most people would like to watch things with their partner. I would love to sit down and watch The Wire back to back to back to back every season in HD on HBO. I want to share things that I enjoy with my significant other. And the idea that we would like have to consume completely different things and do different things seems kind of crazy to me. So I, I think to, to what you're saying, it's understandable that people in long-term relationships with their partners may not be able to come up with conversation topics for the simple fact that both of them are probably doing the same loops over and over again, consuming the same things, going to the same job, et cetera. Maybe in our younger generation, there's more workplace flexibility where like more people are going to be changing jobs more frequently. But I think especially in the past, that's been the status quo. I agree, though, there is something to the idea that if you can't have conversations with your partner over an extended period of time, you know, over a couple of months, you can't sit down and, you know, just shoot the shit as you're drinking coffee or whatever on your porch. Um, that's something that's worth looking into, though. We don't have a porch. We do not. We have a very hot covered patio. I like it, though. It gives character to the house. Mm, anything to improve the block wall construction. Yeah, it's 1960 true. Arizona design aesthetics. So yeah, we will jump in just a few to like being a good conversation partner, engaging with people and coming up with new topics. For the time being though, if you just have difficulty starting conversations and don't know, you know, where to begin, here are some hot fresh tips. With me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So back to the concept of conversation resume, just having a list of interesting things you can always bring up. This probably should not stem from your actual resume. No one wants to hear about the efficiency improvements in your workplace. No one wants to hear as much as I hate it about the field of solid waste. And all the exciting innovations in the world of front load trash trucks. Yeah, I love how excited you get when we see like a trash truck and you're like, oh my God, it's so new. Um, Yeah, so here are a couple of examples of interesting stuff. So like, what are some accomplishments you've achieved? What are some unique experiences you've done that, you know, other people most likely haven't? Have you skydived? Have you, you know, visited the Cayman Islands? Have you arm wrestled a police officer? Did you meet Jeffrey Epstein? Boy, that raises a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a very interesting conversation. I just saying like a Disney World or something. Oh, wait, I don't want to talk about <laughs> Disney World. Beautiful. Um, some places you visited, you know, cool, neat little vacation places you think other people would enjoy. Um, funny occurrences that have occurred in your daily life recently. I have a dumb cat who throws up on things. He is the subject I of much ridicule. don't think that we've introduced um, Bean on this episode. He's sitting right next to us. He was about to start meowing very you know, loudly. He's a terrible conversation partner, my cat. Bean, yeah. Yeah, he mostly just whines at me to go outside. There's He's not really a, a lot of back though. and forth. He's never like, how was your day, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel this week said um, to me that instead of asking him um, how his day was, because it's always the same, that um, I should just start asking him how his poops were that day. And he doesn't like that I, even though that was oh, his suggestion, God. he doesn't like that I ask him that now. Um, I, I should mention this was after listening to a podcast episode. I think it was a dollop episode about people's nutrition habits in the late 19th century and the invention of cereal. It turns out people used to talk about their bowel movements significantly more. They're like, you moved your bowels today? Well, that's why you should eat Cheerios. <laughs> and seriously, people would have all sorts of conversations, similar to how you might have conversations about uh, hair loss or acne or weight. In our modern society, people were far more interested with the quality of your stools back in the day. So I, I thought that was interesting. Does no that one was actually on care about me if they don't ask me about my stools? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> they don't care about your interview. <laughs> um, other things, you know, what do you do for fun? What's your biggest passion? Where are you from? How long have you lived, worked in an area? Where did you go to school? Pet peeves you have, favorite movies, music, TV, work history, strengths and weaknesses, your favorite things, your least favorite things. What is your biggest pet peeve if you're dating someone? How are you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a really good question. I think people who are dirty, not messy, but people who like can't clean up after themselves. So like you leave a number two in the toilet, you leave dirty dishes in the sink, you spill the trash can and don't pick up after yourself. 
your cat vomited and you don't clean it up. Now, I can understand if your house is like disorganized, you know, you have blankets everywhere, you have clothing on the floor. I personally have a chair where, you know, clothing goes. Um, Everybody has a chair like that. The, yeah, the clothing chair. Yeah. Yes, the most common household piece of furniture exactly. in, in every home. Exactly. Sort of like the, the ketchup drawer where all of your ketchup packets oh go. Oh my God, no, we don't have a ketchup drawer. We have a napkin drawer where we do all have a napkin those drawer. napkins that we don't need fast food enough. No, but you always get like take when you get takeout, you get napkins. Yeah, yeah. So for me, there are people I know, you know, even in my workplace, like who don't flush the toilet, and I'm like, geez, this is we are human beings. We live in a society. <laughs> there are rules. You can't live like this. Um, it's kind of a total disregard, I think, both for your health and then for other people who may be interacting with you. It's not a hot look. Yeah. Not a fan. What about you, Naomi? Um, I think along those same lines, like I totally agree about the dirty thing, but I think that that along with not having good personal hygiene, like I think it's really hard for me to be attracted to someone who doesn't take like the time to take care of themselves. That's fair. And you know, I, I do think there are varying standards. Like I could definitely see myself being attracted to like, you know, a, a farmer or a hippie, you know, who works out on the land and maybe doesn't shower as consistently. No, like I understand like that. But like if you don't have, if you work a desk job and you have like stuff under your nails on a regular basis and you like are just, or like. Yeah, it's context. It's definitely yeah. context. Or, okay, here's a good thing. If you don't brush your teeth on a regular basis. I saw this like meme a couple weeks ago. That was this girl responding to um, this guy on a dating app. And he was like, don't make fun of me, but here's my biggest secret. I actually don't believe in brushing your teeth. I think it's really bad for your teeth. And she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I've heard that a lot of quote unquote third world countries didn't really have dental problems until European settlers came. Yeah. And a big reason for that was, yeah, they didn't have like big sources of sugar. You know, they might've had honey. They might've had like dates. They might've had, you know, coconut, um, not a lot of sweet things that bacteria could grow on. So they would have multiple layers of plaque, but very, very, very rarely would they have cavities. Yeah. And I understand that. And I understand that if you're eating a mostly plant-based diet and you're not eating processed sugars or processed foods in general, that you're going to be less likely to like have cavities and like dental health issues. Mind, I think most people who harbor these beliefs in America do so the, because they read some completely inaccurate social media post at some Facebook. point in the past. Yeah, yeah, no, but I think it's definitely also the people that like believe that post or social media post or whatever, but also are eating huge amounts of sugar on a daily basis. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Do you think the tooth fairy prizes teeth that are more or less plaque covered? That's a good question. But she like she uses them to build her tooth fairy castle. Because like you I assume know you that, want a like, thicker tooth. Rich kids get more. Yeah. Like fifty dollars. I mean, I've always I've known personally the tooth fairy's kind of a classist. Ugh. Yeah, she's pretty rude. Is she friends with Jeff Bezos? He's friends with Jeffrey. <laughs> Stop. Uh, okay, so moving on. How do you, you know, also answer when people just, you know, abruptly approach you and, you know, want to have a conversation or when you like, you walk into a conversation, weren't properly prepared, um, have like a fallback story, have a backup story of like something you've done that you think is cool. Um, I, I think keep in mind that like, you're probably going to be interacting with a lot of the same people over and over again. So like, don't reuse your fallback story over and over again. <laughs> I'm going to call out our father, who has, I think, five anecdotes from podcasts we keep hearing about. Um, but No, he changes them up every couple of weeks when he listens to new this ones. This is true. Um, and yeah, like they're, they're interesting things, but having, having heard them multiple times, they lose their impact. Dad, we love you. We don't want you to stop telling your anecdotes. Just we listen love to your more anecdotes. podcasts. Like this one. Give us the views. <laughs> Keep in mind that there's like a specific structure to how you should do a backup story. So have a bridging sentence, something that connects to the previous conversation. Have your little story section. Provide an opinion on the story and then ask for their opinion as feedback. And the reason you do this specific structure is so not only does it tie into the conversation, but you also then give the person an opportunity to respond to it and provide feedback. That's called being a good conversation partner, right? You're giving someone the opportunity to interject and provide their own story, their own counterexamples, their own beliefs, giving people the opportunity to be heard. You're, you're affirming their existence. So one example would be something like, hey, so a friend just told me, uh, there's kind of your bridging sentence, that she was no longer willing to date anyone who ate meat at all. 
Like before, she's willing to date anyone, but she stepped up her veganism recently. So that's your story section. Then you follow that with the opinion. I think that's totally cool. Maybe cutting our dating opportunities too much may prevent her from successfully converting someone down the line. Then you ask for their opinion. Do you think that's too extreme of a line to take? So I'm not saying this is an example of anybody I know. That's one I came up with that I thought was relevant to my interests. It's an opportunity to share something that's going on in your life, but then it also sets someone up to you know share their beliefs. And especially if you want someone to open up and know more about them, if maybe you know they were vegetarian or vegan or you know a strict carnivore, you might learn more about them. And this can be a good or bad thing, right? If you were deeply attracted to them and were hoping that they were vegetarian or vegan, and then they respond that's like, oh, that's fucked up. I can't believe that. Oh, that's discriminating. I hate it. I can only date people who eat meat. In fact, I only eat meat. I don't brush my teeth and I only eat raw hamburger. Um, From salad and go. Yeah, it's a good way of like kind of getting a a perspective on someone's personality by providing them an opportunity to vocalize it. People love expressing their opinions. People love taking surveys people love you know answering polling as long as you know it's convenient and by giving them the opportunity you get to know a bit more about them okay so how do you actually connect with people and this is one of the pieces of advice that i think is also very helpful and that is being genuinely curious in other individuals you want to make it seem like the most important part of your day is learning about them and you should set specific goals of information you want to get from them just to make that easier so again there's someone really attractive over in the corner naomi it's a tall guy. It's a bean. He is built with a body like Zeus. Um, he has a I Respect Women t-shirt on. I don't know if that's Ooh, more attractive. Nothing that you said was sexy until that point. Yeah, I, I feel that's honestly like a red flag. It's like, why are you advertising this, dude? No, there's this um, guy that I watch on Netflix. He's this great show. It's called Somebody Feed Phil. 10 out of 10 recommend. If you have Netflix, please watch it. It's such a happy, feel-good show. It's about this guy who goes around the world, and he goes to different cities and different countries, and he just explores different places to go. And like, he's basically just a walking ad for each of the countries that he visits so he always um wears this shirt um I don't know where I think it's like his merch but it was like I was raised by a strong woman and I love it he's like this like old Jewish guy and he's like so cute and his last name's Rosenthal like how can you get more Jewish than that so we found Naomi's idea of a perfect man (laughs) if you are an older Jewish man (laughs) send us an email we'll hook you up um, but yeah, be, be genuinely interested in people. And, you know, I, I think by setting goals, you can approach the conversation without being concerned it might go in the wrong way. If you have specific objectives at the start, you know, set utility, set entertainment or pleasure, um, if you get that information, you can feel happy with the fact that, like, you've achieved something, you've finished the conversation, mark that off a checklist, you've, you've done okay. I'm really articulating this horribly. If I'm meeting new people and I have no connection to them and um, my, my friends don't know them, but I think they seem genuinely interesting because they just did the song She's a Brick House in a crowded bar in Los Angeles, California, you need something to break the ice. And if you approach them and you're saying to yourself, I want to know where they learn to sing so well. Uh, once I know that, I can end the conversation separate. I think it's a little bit easier. Would you disagree? I agree with that. I think that the way that you like started this portion of like the of the advice was like be genuinely curious in people and then you went on to make it sound fake as fuck and I was like (laughs) what because like I know people that will literally like sit down and make you feel like you're the most important part of your of their day Mm -hmm. and then they'll turn around and everything that you told them will be like on like social media within the hour that's fair. Okay, you're, you're right. I think that's a poor articulation. I think, again, people want to feel that they're important, and by making it clear that you want to know more about them and have you know specific interests that you want answered and aren't just you know casually chatting with them, I feel that's a way of elevating their self-importance. I don't think that's even like a mean way of approaching it. I think it's more of whether or not... like you plan to be friends for a long time after the conversation. It's just easier to talk with people if you have a clear goal in mind. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Okay. Clearly I did not write this book, ladies and gentlemen. Talk to uh, Mr. King if you have more questions or buy the book. We like supporting small authors. So yeah, you know, set goals of information. Ask yourself, you know, I wonder what these people are like. What can these people teach me? What do we have in common and what's unique about them? You know, don't treat them as, you know, just another face in the crowd. Treat them as someone who, you know, has 
unique perspectives and a story to tell. Don't ever think that they're boring. Don't ever think that they're lesser than you. Don't think they need to entertain you or that you need to entertain them. Treat them as an equal, someone who's also looking to speak with others and communicate with them. Always, you know, consider that they might have better things to do and they might, you know, want to sever the conversation at some point. They have a life outside of either entertaining you or giving you information. But yeah, you know, approach with an open mind and open heart. And I find I do that a lot myself um, when I'm like, interacting with people, I'm, I am, I think, constantly asking, you know, I wonder what this person is like. You know, the waitress who gives me my, you know, eggs Benedict, I, I kind of wondering, well, what do you do on your day off? The male person who, for some reason, always parks in front of our house and then wanders the streets to deliver the mail on he the street. He to take a nice walk, okay? Yeah. He's very nice. I'm sure he's very athletic. He was he very young. He looks like he's like 25. I have never seen someone that young delivering mail. Well, you got to be young and nimble in order to deliver all the mail. Or he just likes a good paycheck with good benefits. Um, please support your local post office. They do good work. They keep yeah. our country together. They really do. They have nice stamps. That's how we know that the wars are coming. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're treating people with respect. Great. You have like ideas of like how to talk to them. Here are some cool stories or anecdotes if they you know want to know more about me. Here's how I market myself as a neat person. Well, how do we actually break the ice with them? You've described what the conversation would look like, but we haven't actually described how to like get into the conversation. Um, so Mr. King has a section called Breaking the Ice with Everyone, and he starts and he says, you know, the reason that we don't like breaking the ice and meeting new people, the reason we tell ourselves that they don't want to talk to us is because they look busy, they look like they're doing something important and you don't want to interrupt them, you think it'll be awkward or you don't want to seem weird. And those are all like perfectly plausible things. I think, you know, if someone is genuinely busy, they'll make it clear, hey, I'm doing something, can we talk later? I think, you know, if you think it'll be awkward, keep in mind that they're probably talking to 20 or 30 people at the party. They're probably not going to be like, talk about this loser that I met who was like trying to talk to me unless you do a really, really bad job. And, you know, if you think it's going to seem weird, everyone has to start somewhere. You know, this is a skill that you get better at over time. There will probably be some hits and misses in the conversations you have with people. So don't feel too, you know, awkward about it. The more people you talk to, you know, the less failure you're going to have. So don't consider this an end-all be-all. Don't think that, you know, if you have one bad conversation, it's the end of your social life. So he reiterates that setting a social goal, like a reason to enter that isn't just I want someone to talk to is important. You know, do a Sherlock Holmes approach where you're trying to learn something about people. You know, what can they teach me? What do we have in common? What's unique about them? Um, set game goals with tan tangible outcomes to conversations. You know, try to, at a party, learn three people's first names. Try to learn three people's occupations. If at a professional or business event, try to collect ten business cards. I went to a lot of career fairs when I was in college. Naomi, have you gone to any career fairs yet? I have not because of COVID. This is correct. I had forgotten about <laughs> that. Uh, in the before before. <laughs> I did go to one my freshman year. Um, and it was awkward because a lot of people were like standing in very long lines and yes. looked like um, they weren't doing anything. And I was like, you know what? I'm really not interested in being a vet. So I'm not going to stand in that line. I'm not interested in being a pharmacist. So I'm not going to stand in that line. And there's just a lot of careers that I was just not interested in. So I think one of the things that I noticed going to the career fairs is the jobs or the industries that were like objectively the worst had the most like vocal out there extroverted people representing them. They'd be like, hey, have you heard about the army? You can kill people in foreign wars. That's why they we'll pay for your college. Yeah. You can murder with impunity. Um, yeah, there, there'd be, there was someone working, actually there are a couple people who were working for Yelp and Yelp always showed up for career fairs. And Yelp is like the mafia in corporate form. It's like, you give us money and we'll hide you bad reviews. And if you don't give us money, we'll sink your business. Uh, because if you have lots of negative reviews, your score goes down significantly on our platform and it's impossible to get them erased. Um, but then even if they're not the mafia, they really don't have any perks to signing up for their very expensive service. If you pay for Google AdWords for your business, you can pretty much place an ad anywhere on the internet, wherever people are looking for things, like on the side of Google results or at the top of the page or in a web page, like in the banner ad section. And if you pay for a Yelp ad, you get advertisements on Yelp. So someone already looking for your thing might see your ad. 
but Yelp also considers this a win if it's shown to anybody on Yelp. So if you're a restaurant and someone's looking for wrenches and your restaurant pops up in an ad, Yelp's like, oh yeah, that, that was good viral marketing. We, we marketed today. So yeah, it's a really bad business. Um, What's the weirdest ad you've ever gotten? Tonight, tonight I send you a photo. I got something in the mail a couple of years ago. It was like, Joel, for only $3, you can feed an elderly Jewish grandmother today. Oh, you did tell me about that. Yeah. The weirdest ad I've ever gotten on like the side of like a article or something. No, it was, I was conjugating a French verb and um, I was like looking it up and to making sure I was get, got it right. And I was looking at the side of the web page and it was a ad advertising large animal cages i'm not talking about like big dogs i'm talking about like bears and tigers and like i was like who in the hell whale cage (laughs) uh mammoth cage yeah that's oddly specific Yeah. yeah um so yeah like there were a lot of really bad jobs that had really passionate extroverted people. And I thought to myself, Oh, it's because it's so bad. They need somebody who's really charming and personable to get people in. I should follow off this with allegedly Yelp allegedly does these things. Thanks. We don't want to get sued. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, like I, I think a lot of people who don't have the best thing to offer often are more charming and more charismatic, and that's partially because like they need to be in order to attract people. But yeah, I think especially career fairs, if you want to get the experience of interacting with people, handing in your resume, set yourself these mini goals like this. Say, I want to give out my resume to 10 people today. I want to get 10 emails from people. I want at the end of this to have five follow-up emails from recruiters, something like that. Make sure your goals are smart, you know, specific, measurable, some action-oriented, realistic, time-oriented, all that important stuff. We all know the acronym, that classic acronym. Say it with me, Naomi. Exactly. Great. I'm glad we got this. Um, But yeah, the the same applies for casual conversations too. In terms of icebreakers, you know, sidle up, be like, hey, how you doing? You don't even care about the answer. Just say, my name is blank. What's yours? easiest in the world maybe that's going to lead to something maybe it won't but you can always follow that with subjective opinions it'll lead to love yes what do you think of this music i'm trying to build a party playlist for a thing next weekend is this this rocking let me follow you on spotify i want to listen to all of your playlists ask for objective information do you know where the host is how'd you get invited here where's the restroom you know specific things that they don't really have a reason not to tell you but just get them talking you're just asking for information They're where's like, the bathroom great glad to see you where's the restroom taking off um didn't you just come out of the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> um i'm looking for the other one there's only one in this house is there an outhouse come on throw me a bone i was told there's like two in here yeah Comment on a shared reality too. So you know, if you're in a loud, noisy place, be like, "Noisy, huh?" That is the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine like me going to like a party and this frat bro come up to me and be like, "Noisy, huh?" And then he just drugs my drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so like I have a friend who um, has a lot of cat toys and cat accessories around the house. So I think commenting it's Joel. on that. Joel is his own friend. <laughs> Jeez. I think, you know, if I was at a party with someone, I might have a conversation with somebody about all the cat paraphernalia lying around the house. You got cat towers and cat hammocks and cat boxes and multiple litter boxes. We should get so many cat things for our cats. We have cats? Cat. We have a cat, Naomi. A singular cat. And consider also, you know, before the party, thinking about conversation escapes. If it's clear that your noisy hunt did not go over well with the person, develop excuses. Be like, hey, I need to head to the restroom. Say you're looking for someone. Say, you know, you need to make a call. You need to get to a meeting. Act as though that the exit is urgent so don't have your feelings hurt. Ask for permission and apologize and always, you know, say something like, let's do this again sometimes. What I always do is I um, have my friend, like if I'm on an awkward date, and I, like, don't want to be there. They're, like, giving me sketch vibes. As I, like, text my friend, like, a keyword that we've set up before the date. And they call me as soon as they can. And they act as if there's a hurricane slash tornado slash earthquake only happening in their house or their apartment. So it's, like, level 10 emergency. They're screaming into the phone. I make sure that the other person can hear it. Right. And then I leave. I make It's a good exit. move. That's how Naomi's never paid for dinner in the last two and a half years. Exactly. 
I'm not going to slander you like that. That is untrue. That was a joke. The curtain has pulled all the way back. <laughs> so, I mean, this again isn't foolproof, but it's a good way of like giving yourself a few more tools to work with. Um, you don't want to avoid being avoided and by doing that, you know, don't be a narcissist in these conversations. Don't give unsolicited advice or opinions. If people are actually looking for your advice, they'll probably make it clear. If someone's actually asking for advice or just venting, ask yourself, can you actually help? Even, you know, if they're actively, you know, like, oh, can you help me find my earring? Can you help me find my friend? Um, I can't believe X did this to me or whatever. Ask yourself, you know, am I someone who can actually make a difference in this? Because often I think by giving unsolicited opinions, you can make things worse, especially if you have absolutely no idea of the background on it. Don't belief patrol. Don't interject your beliefs in every conversation. Like I think talking about objective realities and, you know, asking for people's beliefs is better than, you know, being like, boy, this music sucks. Um, boy, work is terrible. Right, Tim? Um, yeah. Like, and that works for personal and professional. Yeah. You know, allow other people to make their beliefs clear, you know, take the tone of the conversation accordingly. And again, if you're not sure if, whether or not someone is sketchy and you want to kind of suss them out, that's a really good opportunity to get a general idea of their vibe. If they respond in anger to even the slightest opinion that you, they disagree with, that's probably a red flag. You don't like peaches. Peaches. <laughs> My grandfather invented peaches. How dare you? Yeah. Um, take the hint, too. Yeah, I mean, you're describing really terrible conversations you've had. Um, people should definitely be noticeable in the idea <laughs> that other people are, like, not engaging with them at all. If people aren't, you know, reciprocating, if they aren't providing, you know, counterexamples, if they're not responding to you, except in, like, one-word answers, they're probably not interested, and you should do the whole exit thing. If awkward silences are popping up every few minutes... I think that's also a really good example of like someone not engaging. I think one awkward silence is you, you know, just process or you're eating or you're in the middle of a long car trip. Totally fine. Maybe a couple. But again, if you are struggling and, you know, you're coming up with, hey, how about them, them Red Sox and them Yankees and other basketball teams? <laughs> that's baseball. I'm a, that's the joke, Naomi. Take a hint. Maybe think critically about, you know, the relationship and whether or not you really want to speak with this person. Notice also that, like, people may transition from general topics away to minutiae. Uh, if you're really struggling, like if you're having an in-depth conversation with them and they keep trying to bring it back to, uh, yeah, these uh, these drinks, these mimosas, real, real uh, sweet. Yeah, they're really not talking with you. They're not, they don't care about what you have to say. Break it off, move on, talk with someone else. There's some other stuff that I think is um, pertinent. I don't want to go too much into this. When you're talking with someone, you know, there's typically different responses you can bring up. And he categorizes them in a couple of different ways. So like HPM, history, philosophy, and metaphor, different ways you can respond to things. History being you can reply with a personal experience about the story. Oh yeah, that's a great story about hiking. I actually go hiking pretty frequently. Philosophy, someone you know shares an experience and you use your opinion to give a response. Metaphor, talk about how much that reminds you of another thing. Hiking is a lot like peaches. In the same way that I hate peaches, I hate hiking. Just my opinion! But, in the, but you know, whether or not you're responding with a historical story, a perspective, or a metaphor, make sure that you break down it, whether it's specific, broad, or related. So SBR, specific being ask questions specifically to the topic, get quantitative details from them. Broad, ask broad details about the topic. You know, where was the thing? Was it cold? How did you get there on your hiking expedition to go rescue the peach farm from destruction? Uh, and then related, you know, say related things. You don't even have to specifically respond to them. Be like, oh, I really enjoy peaches. Trips, hiking, that's great. Big fan. Like, you don't necessarily need to always do this back and forth. Sometimes if they're just sharing anecdotes, like, it's totally fine to uh, not go any further. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel that's pretty much a wrap-up for what's going on. Uh, that's at least the information I wanted to get over. Uh, I can tell by the way Naomi isn't really responding to me that she's not fully engaged in this topic. I'm literally just your soundboard this episode. Like, you're doing a full book report, and I'm just, I'm just like putting in my memes as they come. <laughs> and it sounds like I'm literally just your soundboard in the background. So Yeah, so, uh, okay, so to wrap this up, I found the, the, the book useful because it's kind of a way of thinking about about conversation structure. And I think maybe what you said is making me feel a little anxious that I sound like a big loser who doesn't know how to talk to people. No, no, no. Uh, well, I, I want to make it clear. 
I'm sharing this because I found it to be a helpful resource, and I think a lot of people who are trying to date might find it helpful as well. I also, and this is something I'm going to bring up in a future episode, I'm doing a lot of research on the pickup artist community, and the big secret of the pickup artist community is talk to people. Whether you're a man seeking a woman, or a man seeking a man, or a woman seeking a man, or any non-binary identities, uh, doesn't matter. Just talk to people. Joel doesn't like lesbians, that's why he didn't include (laughs) women seeking women. All people searching for all people. Doesn't matter the quantity, doesn't matter the gender identity. Are asexuals not people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the big secret of the pick wars community is by talking to lots of people, you increase your odds of actually dating, banging, taking someone home, marrying them in the long term. Wow, that was great. Dating, banging, (laughs) or marrying someone in the long run. The FMK of our time. What's K? Kill? Keep up with me now. Um, Yeah, so if you yourself are interested in having relationships, ignore all the pickup artist community advice because it's deeply toxic. It's deeply misogynistic. Focus on the kernel of truth at the core of it, which is talk with people, try to be a good conversationalist, and you'll probably have better success at dating than not. Does that make sense? It does. I have a large issue um, when I socialize and it became even more of an issue after COVID or sorry, after I got my vaccination. The after after. The after after um, where I had this like sinking feeling that every time I because I don't usually hang out with people in groups. I hang out with people like one on one because like my friends don't know my other friends, if that makes sense. So we don't hang out in like groups. We just like I see my friends and like yeah individually so I'd be hanging out with someone and I'd come home and I'd be like oh my god I made that entire conversation about myself and I'd be Mm. like oh my god is that like do they like think that I'm a narcissist do they like not like me anymore like is am am I okay like are they okay is that why they don't want to like hang out with me and it's literally just because like we're both busy people or like for some instance and like the entire conversation could consist of like 50% me 50% of them but I overthink in such a way that I'm just like oh shit like everything's my fault I just ruined the entire friendship yeah and I think when I initially read this book in either sophomore it was either freshman or sophomore year of college I was a deeply anxious person who when I go to parties would be like Am I vibing with any of these That's people? That's because we went to <laughs> prep school and um, we didn't actually get an actual conversation starting. You would rather party. go to public school? We would have gotten more parties. This is true. And probably knifed in the locker court. No, 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 not knifed. We would have been shivved. 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 Right, because they have metal detectors at all public high schools in Arizona, so they have to like file them up in a metal shop. No, I did. There, there were some at public high school. Like when I went to, I'm pretty. No, never mind. I'm not going to say that. I did know a kid named Shivam though for a while. (laughs) He was a small Indian boy. He was a great guy. I wonder what happened to him. (laughs) Mm, Got lost on a hiking trip for peaches. Oh, so sad. Okay, well, I think this was a good run. I would like to mention that we do have social media. So go like us on Instagram. It's at date these guys. Go like us on like and follow because we have like what you and me following the Twitter account right now mm-hmm. at date these guys. We have some great content on each. We try to retweet as much as possible. Well, Joel tries to retweet as much as possible on that account. And by much as possible, I mean like two or three so far. <laughs> really selling people on the quality of our work. Um, we like to do announcements about new episodes on Instagram and we recently just did a, um, live video, which I put on our IGTV, which was giving advice for someone. Technology of the future today, which was just responding to a question that we were asked by one of our listeners. So, um, yeah, hit us up on our socials. Uh, we also have a website. If you want to know more about us and want to see some really bad pictures of both of us i think there's a couple of pictures of me on the website um at www.yw.datetheseguys.org that's not the url datetheseguys.org that's not the url what is the url it's datetheseguys.org <laughs> and with that after not knowing any information about our podcast <laughs> i'm out stay smart stay sexy music of why will no one date these guys is from the song drop by the artist ketza it is licensed through creative commons and we're deeply appreciative that they've allowed us to use it
If you're looking to make an impact, this show recommends giving either time or money to Planned Parenthood, a nonprofit organization that provides reproductive health care in the United States and globally. Planned Parenthood clinics and affiliates provide birth control and long-acting reversible contraception, clinical breast examinations, cervical cancer screenings, pregnancy testing, prenatal care, testing and treatment for sexually transmitted infections, and abortions. Planned Parenthood also does great work for those who can't afford traditional medical services. Approximately four out of five of their clients have incomes at or below 150% of the federal poverty level. Both Joel and Naomi are monthly donors to Planned Parenthood. You could be too.